Welcome to the Life Melbourne podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. I just love the series and the whole thought of, um, you know, the wonder of Christmas. And I, I just want to speak a little bit more into that this morning. Uh, I, I love the, the thought that Pastor Nadia shared um, recently, that just that, that the whole aspect that Christmas is and should be full of, of wonder. And she shared that definition from the uh, dictionaries that wonder is a feeling of amazement and admiration caused by something beautiful, something remarkable or unfamiliar. And, and you know, when I think about Christmas, I think that's overt wonder is, is where you do see something and it, it takes your breath away. Uh, and, and if you think, if you know the Christmas story, there were, there were lots of moments where there was that overt wonder, where, where people would have been just gobsmacked, where the, the breath would have been taken away. I mean, if you think of Mary, I mean, her, her moment of wonder had to be when the angel Gabriel comes along. And if you know the story, she's a good moral girl, young girl, and the angel rocks up and says, hey, you're well loved of God and good on you. Don't be afraid. You're going to have a baby. Like, how many people know that moment was a moment of wonder and awe? Not just that Gabriel rocks up, an angel's there, but gives you a word like that. I don't know anybody else. I mean, I don't know anyone that would just go, yeah, yeah, whatever. No, no, no. That was a moment of absolute wonder and awe. Let's not forget Joseph. He got, he got a double whammy. He got the moment of wonder when, jo- when, when, when uh, uh, Mary comes and, and announces, hey, uh, Joseph, I've got something to tell you. <laughs> I'm pregnant. <laughs> like, that's a moment of wonder. That's a moment of awe. But then he gets an angel rocking up. And if you know that story, he gets told, hey, you know, don't, don't you worry. The, the, the child that is within is, is, a, is the child of God. And, and, and she's actually carrying the Saviour of the world. And his name is Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that's a moment of wonder and a moment of awe that Joseph had. Think about the Magi, the, the wise men. The Bible says that, you know, they, they saw the star and they followed a star that miraculously led them right to where Jesus was born there in Bethlehem. That's an awe. That's a wonder. Every time they looked up there in the sky, there it was, a wonder, something to take your breath away. And of course, what about the shepherds? You know the story again, the night that Jesus is born. And I love this, the detail of it. Luke chapter 2, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. You know, not every time God turns up is cool. This was like terrifyingly wonderful. And suddenly the sky is lit up and again the angels speak to him, don't be afraid, I'm bringing you good news that'll cause great joy for all people. We could go on and on, but you you could find so many aspects of of what they'll call that, that overt wonder. But I think Christmas is also full of what I would call hidden wonder. The wonder that, that isn't necessarily obvious at first. You see, if you go and look in the definition of wonder again in the dictionary, there's another element to it. It's a, that wonder can be an intense desire to know something, to feel curious, that you know something's going on, something incredible, but you, you, you don't know the detail yet and you're wondering, you're caught in the wonder and you want to know more about that. I experienced that. Now, I'm not being unkind, my darling. I should have warned you. 
Christmas time when we go shopping together, I experience that sense of wonder so often. Sal will just say, I'm just going to pop in here for a moment. And I say, that's all right, darling. I'll wait here in the car for you. And it's not long before I'm wondering, (laughs) what is she doing? How can it possibly take so long? Have I got any brave men who will say amen? Can you say amen, men? Come on, that's a sense of wonder. She has that same sense, to be fair. Every time I say, darling, I'm just going to pop into Bunnings and I have a sparkle in my eye, she wonders, what is it about Bunnings? And every woman in the house said, come on, not every one of you. Some of you, you love Bunnings, come on, admit it. But I think in the Christmas story, there is a a sense of hidden wonder. If we look at some of the detail, and I want to share one of those moments with you this morning that has always grasped my heart, thinking, what is it about that detail? I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2. It's the story of the birth of Jesus, so that's appropriate at Christmas. You know the story that they're all going because the, the uh, Caesar Augustus has issued a decree. He wants everyone in the land to be counted. And so Joseph and Mary have to go down to Nazareth. And verse 4 of Luke chapter 2 says this, Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn a son she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger here it is because there was no room for them in the inn you ever wondered about that there was no room for them in the inn I ask the question, God, what's the deal with the barn? Like, did something go wrong? Because it doesn't seem right. You see, up until now, everything was seemingly well planned. The prophets had been prophesying for hundreds of years that Jesus was coming. Angels had popped up everywhere declaring Jesus was coming. And then suddenly... It all seems to fall over. The baby's coming now. They're on their way, but there's no... What happened? Did the system crash? Did Joseph forget to book ahead? Was there a pandemic? What what is the deal with the plan? It's not right. It doesn't fit. And to me, honestly, it's like it's not fair. God, this is the Son of God. This is Him. This is the big deal of all time, of the all universe. This is it. This is the moment. And yet He has to go to the barn. There's no room. It's not right. It's not proper. What's the deal with the barn? And I wondered about that. And as I looked at it more and more, you know, I think there is some hidden wonder in the barn. See, I think it's a hidden wonder that God will actually walk through any door. Now, humor me for a moment. I don't even know if there was a door to get to where the animals were. 
The historians say sometimes they weren't. It was just an area out the back. But I picture a barn. I've seen all the movies and all the cartoons and there's a barn in the story and the barn's got a door. But here's the wonder of Christmas, that God will actually walk through any door as long as it's open. He actually doesn't care about the door too much. It doesn't have to be a great door. You see, I think the inn probably had a really nice door. It might have been painted and it probably had a sign on it saying the name of the inn. It may have had a light on it. It may have had all kinds of stuff. The inn probably had a good looking door, but it wasn't open. And the barn door, it might have been cracked and dirty. It may have had creaky old hinges and it may have been the door that you would walk past. But God said, no, 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 if that door's open, that's the door that I want to go in. You see, when I look at a tragedy, when I look at that, it's a tragedy for the inn. Think about it. The inn had the Son of God there wanting to come in. But the inn who could have and should have and was positioned to open the door, didn't open the door. You know, you can be so close to a miracle, so close to the reality of God and yet miss out. There's tragedy in that. You know, I walk through Christmas. I love, I, I sort of have a, a love-hate relationship with Christmas when I go shopping because I hear the carols everywhere. And you turn on the, the carols on the television and you've got carols by candlelight. They do some other thing up in Sydney domain nonsense but we have carols by candlelight here in Melbourne and it's awesome everybody's singing the carols and I love the carols sometimes I want to break out in song in the back of the supermarket but I don't because it would be too scary but think about it people all over the world are, are singing the carols but they don't know the meaning behind the carols you can be so close and miss it. You can be sitting in church and miss it. You can be raised in a Christian home and miss it. But as much as there's tragedy, there's also the miracle. The miracle that God will walk through any door. And the miracle is you might be thinking you're a long way from God. You might be thinking like the barn door. Don't come here. I'm not worthy. You should be at that door. You might be thinking, I don't know if I'll ever know God or if God is even real. But the reality is no matter who you are, you can be a moment away from the God who loves you, from the God who has a plan for your life. It's just the only question we've got to answer is, are you open? Because the miracle of Christmas is that God will come in if you are open. John chapter 1, 11 to 13 says, He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The wonder of Christmas to all, to any that will receive Him. You know, that's the picture of the gospel. The picture of the gospel is that Jesus came and he went to the synagogue and he went to the religious and he went to the righteous. He went to the ones where they should have been open. They should have been ready, but they didn't receive him. So then he went to the streets. And when he went to the streets, 
There he found the ones who were open and it wasn't necessarily the righteous or the prepared or the educated. It was the sinner. It was the poor. It was the sick. It was the outcast. It was the prostitute. It was the adulterer because all he's interested in is not what the door looks like, not what our life looks like right now, but is the door of our heart open. John 3, 16 says, God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son that what? That who? Whosoever, whosoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. I love that Scripture. I love this hidden wonder of Christmas because I can relate to it so easily. Pastor Craig's asked me to share a little bit of my story, my testimony today. And I tell you, I was the whoever. I was in one sense the one least likely. I was the barn door. I certainly wasn't the in door. And that's interesting because most people, when they look at Pastor Sally and I now, they go, well, you've probably always just, you know, had a great life. And they look at my Insta picture. Have a look at this. This is a picture that was taken just a couple of years ago. I think it's going to come up. You see, most people see it as that. This is when we released our church and uh, that's you know, me, my wife, my beautiful five children. And, and you look at us today and, you know, we were, we were uh, moving on from a successful period of ministry where God saw the church multiply over and over. And we've got a life that you look at now and go, so blessed, so amazing. Five beautiful children, seven uh, grandchildren walk in the planet. One of them still in our daughter's bub, uh, I can't say belly, but a few more weeks and it'll be number eight. And we look at that and go, yeah, 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 well, you must have always been blessed. No, 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 I was the least likely. Let me take you back a few years to how I started in my journey. <laughs> this is when I'd been saved. Now, I've got to tell you, I was, I'd already been cleaned up, all right? This is the clean version of what I did look like. So let me tell you a little bit of my story. I was raised in a Baptist home. My mum and dad loved God, but there was a Baptist church who didn't believe or didn't understand the power and the reality and the person of the Holy Spirit. And so as a young boy, I grew up in a beautiful home. Mum and dad loved one another. They loved us kids. We had a beautiful, beautiful childhood. But church to me was boring. Church to me was just, well, if that's what you believe, that's awesome. But it was torturous to me. I saw no life. I felt no life when I was raised up in a more of a religious setting in the church. So when I got to about 13, 14, I had a conversation with dad, which he must have hated. But I sat down, I said, dad, I'm not going to come to church anymore. I mean, I respect you and mum and I know that it's very meaningful to you, but it doesn't mean anything to me and it doesn't do anything for me. So I'm going I'm to find my own way. I'm going to go on my own search. And so that's exactly what I did. And if you know, most times when you do that, I started searching in all of the wrong places. And when I searched, I searched with a great intensity. And so it wasn't long before I was partying hard, drinking hard, then fell into the drug scene. And by the time I was 14, um, I was dealing drugs. It was costing too much to feed my own habit. And so I started to deal because that was the most sensible thing to do. Amen? <laughs> no, no. People said amen. Said, no, no, that's a bad thing to do. Drugs are bad. <laughs> But by the time I went to, got to the end of high school, started the things, things started to get pretty much out of control. When the police would raid our school looking for drugs, the first locker they would break into was my locker. 
And so I left that school at the end of the fifth form and I went to a special school because they would take on hard cases. I went to that school and my case just got harder and harder. I, I, I didn't do very well. But most of the days at school, I was either drunk or drugged out of my mind. I got scraped through year 12. I ended up going to university. My marks were so low. The only thing I could get into was a course called Dramatical Arts and Dance. The only reason I got into it was because I could, I could do a little bit of dance. I can't dance now, but I actually won a scholarship. But I spent that entire year, only one year, I failed gloriously at the end of that year. But every day of that year, I was either drunk or drugged, living a life full of immorality. I actually won a scholarship. The government would give me a check every quarter that was supposed to go to my fees. A friend and I would take our government money. We would buy the biggest block of hash we could with the government money and then deal, deal that way through. It was a life that was starting to get out of control. And by the time I failed that year, I had gangs that were after me. I had boyfriends of other girlfriends that were after me. I looked at my life. Somebody said, if you go to North Queensland, I'll give you a job up in a mine. I thought that was a good deal. It's a good time to get out of town. And so I went up to North Queensland. I worked in a mine for a while. It went out of control in the mine again because drink and alcohol, immorality every day. I decided I'm getting out of here. I'm going to hitchhike up to Darwin. And so I set off with my pack. Now, if you had seen me by the side of the road, I guarantee you, you would not have stopped. Guarantee you. I had hair halfway down my back. I had that scraggly little beard coming down here. I was wearing shorts uh, with big boots on, a little slouch hat, big pack. On one side of my pack, I had a little hurricane lamp. On the other side, I had a little billy and strapped on the back, making a statement, was a little axe. Everywhere I went, I carried the axe. I left the mine. I had my little bag of dope stashed um, everywhere I could hide it. In case I got searched, I'd always have some left. And I went hitchhiking, just nowhere really. And I got picked up by a guy and he was a dopehead too. And so we went had a lovely time bursting through the desert. And then sometime, I don't know where it was to this day, I don't know where it was, but I got, uh, we stopped. And uh, he said, here, this is a good spot for you to hop out. And I remember somewhere up in the Northern Territory, looking out over the, over the plain, and there was nothing, absolutely nothing. And he said, I've got to go off here because I'm a jackaroo and he had a place, he had to go there. He said, I'll drop you here and somebody will come. Somebody will come. And I remember looking at him going, are you sure? It looks really isolated. And he just smiled. I'll never forget this big dopey grin. He just said, yeah, you'll be right. And out I got. Well, I sat there by the road for three days, three days. I'd run out of water. I ran out of food. The only thing that I had that sort of kept me sane in those three days was my mum had given me a little New Testament Bible when I left home. I said, take this with you, David. Read this. Read this. Well, after a few days, three days sitting there, you know, you'll read anything. So I started to get that New Testament out and it was like God started to speak to me so personally through that Bible. I read the verses with a new light. It wasn't religion anymore. It was just plain and simple. God was saying to me, hey, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Bible says again and again, whosoever believes shall be saved, you and your family. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The name of the Lord is a strong and mighty tower. And you know, suddenly after three days, I'm out of food, I'm out of water. I'm thinking I could die in this place and I'm not ready. 
I'm not ready. I was spiritual. I'd got into all kinds of uh, Eastern religion, sat saying medication. I'd done astral travel. I'd met demons. I'd met angels. I'd done it all. But I knew if I was going to die there in the desert, I was not ready to meet God. And all I was reading was a promise, a simple promise. Get rid of all the complications. Get rid of all the religion. If you choose Jesus, he's the only way you'll know if God is real or not. And I tell you, I'd never been in a church like this. I'd never seen hands raised. I'd never heard a salvation prayer. But I stood there in the desert. I lifted up my hands. I said, Jesus, if you are real, I need you. Come into my heart. I've got to tell you, boom. It was like somebody switched a flick, switched that switch. And suddenly it was like, I don't know, an explosion went off on the inside. And again, I hadn't been in a church, but I started dancing around. And I, I, I hadn't taken drugs that day. But I started dancing around. I started crying, hands up in the air, because I knew that 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 I knew. In a moment of time, everything I'd read in the Word was real. Jesus did come. Jesus did tell us what Christ, what God was like. And now He was in me. I couldn't explain it. I just knew something happened in here. Danced around, crying, hands raised. And then a little car came on the horizon. You just see a little bit of dust on the horizon. And this car, I'll never forget it, it was a dark green VW bug. You know those little beetles? It came bouncing along on the road there, pulled up and looked at me in amazement. It said, what are you doing out here? I said, oh, I've just been here for a few days. I said, get in. We'll take you out. We're going to blah, blah, blah. You get in the car. Come on. I said, no. I said, I'm not leaving. I said, why? I said, I've just met God. Like, I've just met God. I'm not leaving this place. I think then they thought, he really is crazy. We're going. But they drove off and I stayed. It was that real. But it wasn't long. Thank God another car came along and I had a sense to get in the back of that car and I got out. But friends, I've got to tell you, I was the least likely. I was the least likely, but all it took was an open heart. All it took was just to be able to say, God, if you're real, all it took was a moment of honesty to say, God, I need you. I wasn't ready to die. I knew that I wanted God and I knew that the only answer was what the Bible was teaching so clearly. You could call on the name of the Lord. And I've got to say to every single person here in this building, every single person watching online, you may not be a drug crazed, addicted, immoral person. Your life might be in control. But the question is not what state is your life. The question is, is your heart open? Because I can tell you, you can be a success in the world, but still have an ache. You can be a success in the world, but still know there's something missing. Because every one of us were created to know God. And until we say yes, there'll always be a void. There'll always be something missing. But the moment you say yes, just like the barn, the hidden wonder of Christmas is He will walk through into your life and He won't shame you. He won't condemn you. He'll just say, I'm so glad you let me in. See, the other wonder of Christmas is not just that He will walk through any door, but he'll start using you <laughs> and blessing you, whether you're ready or not. See, it's not just about the door, it's about that manger. I mean, think about it. 
We see a pretty little manger on the nativity scenes and we think that's what they were built for. No, 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 no. It was a feeding trough. <laughs> it was a dirty old feeding trough where they used to throw the food and the slops for the pigs or the sheep or the donkeys or whatever. And I think my mind goes there. I think if I was that manger, I'd be saying, no, 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 no. You don't want to use me. You, you don't want to put Jesus here. No, no, no. You need to go to the inn. The inn's got everything you need. The inn's got the water and the basin and the towels and probably someone to look after you. I'm just a dirty old manger. I'm just a dirty old feeding trough. I'll give you splinters. I'm cracked. You don't want to do that. But Mary would just look at the manger and say, no, 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 no. You're all I've got and you're all I want. And it doesn't matter what you are like. It's that Jesus is coming. And once Jesus comes in, everything's going to change. Everything is going to change once Jesus comes in. It's the wonder that God doesn't care too much. He's not looking for five star. He's not looking for everyone who's got their life together. He's not looking for everyone who could keep the Ten Commandments because He knows that we can't. He moved on from that a long, long time ago. 1 Corinthians 1.26, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were noble birth. But God, listen to this, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one can boast before Him. It's not about us. It's always, always been about Jesus. It's always been about God. And the good news is this. The Bible says if anyone, any man, any woman, any young person, any older person, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold everything has been made new. You know, when I got born again there in the desert, I knew that I was born again. I knew that Christ had come to live in me, but I also knew my life was a mess. I remember praying a very simple prayer saying, God, I know that there's nothing good in my life. Nothing. I'd hurt so many people. I'd done so many stupid things. I'd broken my mum and dad's heart. I was a fornicator, a swearer, a drunkard, addicted mess. I said, God, if you could just fix me, if you could just fix me, that'd be wonderful. Well, I gotta tell you, it started a journey and I discovered something with God. As long as we keep saying yes, He can do the rest. As long as we keep saying yes, He can break any addiction. He can break any lifestyle. He can fill any hole. He can heal any heartache. He can just take us and He can bring us back to the place He always wanted us to be. As long as we keep on saying yes. But the best part is this. He didn't just come to fix us. He came to lift us. He came to lift us. You see, the rest of my story is this. I, I, before I met Christ, I said, God, I, I, I had a conviction. I will never, ever marry. I'd seen my mum and dad's marriage. It was beautiful. It was holy. It was awesome. And I knew that I could never honour a woman like my dad. I could never be faithful to one woman. 
I made a decision. I will never, ever marry. I will never tell a woman that I love her. Yet on the journey of God lifting me up, He gives me a woman, my my wife, Sal. And this year coming, we celebrate 40 years of marriage together. I want to tell you in those 40 years, there's been no hint. There's been no, 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 not a crack, not a crack. There's been nothing but faithfulness to my vows and my heart and my devotion to her. I made a decision before Christ. I would never bring children into this world. I called it the greatest act of irresponsibility that is possible on the planet Earth. How could you bring a child into this world, this messed up, crazy world with no guarantee, with all of this stuff? How could you do that? I would never do that. And yet now, by the blessing and the favour of God, we look at our life and we've seen five beautiful children grow and all these grandchildren were surrounded by family and the blessing of God. Before Christ, I thought my life, I thought I'll never achieve anything. I'll never be worth following. I'll never be a success. And yet again, the call of God, the faithfulness of God, calling into ministry and all the wonderful things that we've seen. I want to tell you, He doesn't just fix us. He lifts us up. He is the God of the exceedingly abundantly above and beyond what you could ever dream or imagine. It's part of the hidden wonder that He'll walk through any door. He'll bless everyone who simply says yes, whether we're ready or not. But here's the final thing as I close. The hidden wonder is that God will actually never force Himself through any door. See, when Joseph was told there's no room in the inn, he just said, okay. Walked away. He didn't try and smash it down. He he didn't get the lawyers involved. He didn't try and slip a few fibers. And the reality is that God has done everything possible. That's the gospel. God has sent His Son. We celebrate it every single Christmas. He sent His Son, Jesus, to show us what God is like, to show us that He's not angry, that He's not judgmental, that He's not harsh, that He's not wanting to squash humanity. He's wanting to lift humanity up. And when He sent Jesus, He showed us all of those things and showed us that He's a God of power, not just love, but a God of power who is able to fix, who is able to redeem, who is able to release into the blessing. He's showed us everything, but then He died on the cross. He's done everything that God can do. But He won't break down any door. He won't force Himself into anybody's life. There's got to be a moment where we say yes. The picture is painted in Revelation 3 verse 20. It says, here I am. God speaking, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with that person and they with me. You know, in the time that that verse was written, to say that I will eat with someone, the meal was central to every relationship. And what the picture the Bible is painting there is God saying, if you open up your life, if you open up your heart, I will come in and I will do life with you. I'll sit with you. I'll walk through every situation as Pastor Craig mentioned early on. No matter what challenges, no matter what pain, no matter what struggles, God is saying, if you open the door, I'll come in and I'll be with you. 
and you will know my love, my power, and my grace. That's the wonder. That's the wonder. Angels come and go. But Jesus said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. My moment came in a moment of desperation while I was out in the desert and I could well have died. But the reality is for millions and millions and millions of people and many people in this room and maybe watching online, it doesn't have to be a crisis like that. Your life doesn't even have to be out of control. It's just a moment of honesty when you realise God is talking to me. God is standing at the door of my heart. I want to tell you that's, that's the heart of this church. And so right now, if you're here in this room, if you're watching online, and you might be in this place and going, wow, I do feel like I'm, I'm, I, I might be close, but I, I don't know God. Well, the miracle and the wonder is that you can know Him in a moment's time. Because in a moment's time, I'm going to lead all of us and all of us will pray together, those that are here in church. I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. And it's similar to the prayer I prayed way back then in the desert of just, God, I need you. God, I want you. God, I'm so sorry for the way I've lived. I need Jesus to come in. I want to tell you this morning, if you pray that prayer, God is going to answer that prayer and something's going to go off. You'll be born again by the Spirit of God in a moment of time. And I want to tell you, there's a room full of people here, people online that are praying for you right now to do just that. So why don't we all just close our eyes, bow our head. And if you want to pray this prayer, pray it with me here in the building or online, wherever you are watching this. Let this be your prayer in Jesus' name. Why don't you pray? Thank you, God, that you love me so much that you sent Jesus to die on that cross for me. And today, God, I make my decision. I open up my heart and I'm asking Jesus, would you come into my life? Forgive me for the way that I have lived and help me to live as a child of God. Because today I choose Jesus as my Lord and my Saviour. And I thank you for new life in Jesus' Name. Amen. We trust that you are encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Melbourne campus. If you're not in Melbourne, then join us for Church Online, wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifeau.org to stay connected and find out more.